my name is Bex and I love books. Hopefully you do too, because this is the Bookworms podcast from Fun Kids. And oh boy, it's a big one this week. We've got some recommendations on some brilliant books you've got to be checking out. But most importantly, we're going to be talking to the legend that is Jacqueline Wilson. Oh my goodness, I love Jacqueline Wilson. She's basically a personal hero. And she's got her brand new book out set in an Enid Blyton classic, The Magic Faraway Tree. This is a new adventure. Uh, I am joined right now by Queen of Books, Jacqueline Wilson. Hello, Jacqueline. Thank you for joining us. I love to come on Fun Kids Radio. It's absolutely a great, great programme. I'm going to clip that and just use that as my ringtone. (laughs) (laughs) And now you're here to talk about a brand new book, which when I tell people the title, they might be thinking, "That's, that's not Jacqueline Wilson. Hang on a second. It's The Magic Faraway Tree, which of course people may know uh, as also by Enid Blyton. Now, can you tell us uh, what is going on here? Well, my book is The Magic Faraway Tree, A New Adventure. And I haven't rewritten the the three wonderful faraway tree books. What I have done is I am done a follow-up so that I have got my own modern children and they go to what seems to be a holiday cottage, but is the exact same cottage that is used in the book where Ina Blyton's three children live. And I've had such fun because I've been allowed to have my modern children discover the enchanted wood, go up the faraway tree, meet my very favourite characters. I love this book as a child. <laughs> Silky the fairy, Moonface, the saucepan man, Dame Washalot, all those lovely characters. And then when they go up the ladder at the top, poke their heads through the clouds, you see a different land practically every time you go up there. But I haven't copied in Blyton's lands because they were wonderful. I don't want to change them at all. I've invented my own lands. I've got the land of unicorn. I've got the land of dragons, land of bouncy castles, land of princes and princesses, all the things that I, when I was young, I would have liked these lands as well. So it's been a treat for me right from the beginning. Mind you, the bouncy castle land was my favourite. I read that and thought, oh, I want to go on a bouncy castle. (laughs) I was so jealous of the characters. Now, you said uh, it was one of your favourite books. Now, does that mean it's a bit overwhelming to kind of uh, write in that world or were you really excited to do it? I was thrilled to bits to be asked, but also my stomach gave a bit of a lurch and thought, so many people loved these books when they were young. So many children read these books now. Do you really know what you're doing? But I thought, I just want to show modern children just what a wonderful magic world it is and carry on. And I very much hoped um, that Enid Blyton, if she were still alive, would say, okay, you know, you t- you take over for a bit, Jacqueline. I've done my stint. I've done over 600 books. Come on, you're just a beginner compared with me. But give it a go, girl. I mean, calling you a beginner is quite something. But I did, I read she, she wrote over even 2,000 short stories and 600 books, like you say. I mean, she put a lot of work out there, but this is one that's been really prolific. And as I have admitted to you, I sadly did not read the original. So this to me was was magical because I was discovering these lands for the first time. Uh, did you enjoy making up these crazy creative lands that people went to? I love doing it. Um, as a child, I used to play quite elaborate fantasy games. And occasionally I could find some, somebody at school that would indulge me and play them too. I think nothing is more exciting when you're young enough still to believe in your 
whole pretend world. And it was just like doing that all over again. Um, but being an older professional person, I could sort of rein in my imagination sometimes or have a little bit of drama here or a bit of humour there. It was just my my two worlds colliding, my six, seven, eight-year-old world. Yeah. And my world now. <laughs> <laughs> and you bring in such lovely characters as well. You've got this lovely family who are on holiday in the cottage and you've got Milo, Mia and lovely little birdie as well. It must have been quite lovely to bring uh, brand new characters uh, of your own making into this world. I very much wanted there to be children that readers could identify with and find interesting. And I wanted them really to um, behave as I thought modern children would. I mean, Milo and Mia at first are a little bit sniffy about the very idea of there being a fairy, for <laughs> instance. And they might indulge Birdie, their little sister, but, uh, you know, they roll their eyes at the very idea. And so it's again fun when I confront them with Silky the fairy, who was my childhood heroine. I adore Silky <laughs> the fairy. I wanted to be Silky the fairy, or I wanted to have her as my best friend. Yeah, of course. She's just slightly changed in that she's my concept of Silky, but I know that Ina Blyton and all the people that adore her books would feel that, ah, yes, yes, she's, she's Silky and Moonface is still the same. I had fun. There's a character in the books, a minor character called Dame Washelard. Yes, I was going to say, yeah. And I thought, poor old Dame Washelard, does she really want to be washing all day long? So I've given her a best friend called Dame Iron all day. And then they can have fun together and they can go up and bounce around on the bouncy castles. I thought, let's liberate the dames. I'm a dame too, actually. Well, of course, you've got to all stick together. You know, I wondered about this because as I hadn't read the originals, I thought, I wonder which ones you've invented and which ones you've brought back. And I did notice uh, the washing and ironing connection. I'm so glad you met, you gave her a friend. That's amazing. <laughs> and the other character that I made up, a magic character, is a little bear called Pippin. And I think all children like the idea of some lost, lonely baby animal. And um, I've also, I have to admit, in a corner of my bedroom, I have my own rather large baby teddy bear that I've called Pippin. And I don't usually put my own possessions into my books, but I just thought I'm going to for this one. So I have Pippin too. And now every time I go in and out the bedroom, he has to have a little pat on the head. You've got your book. <laughs> I do love a bear. And when I think Pippin in the book says something about bears giving bear hugs, that's why, you know, they're so huggable. Yeah. And I was like, I would like to hug Pippin. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time you're down on the South Coast, come and find me and you can have a hug. <laughs> oh my goodness, please. I'm locking your door and be like, hello, where's, where's Pippin? Can I just come in, please? Jacqueline, thank you. Uh, so it must have been a thrill to write these characters. And, and you've obviously, you worked with the, the Railway Children previously as well. Yes. Are there any other books out there that you've got your eye on that you think, you know what, I'd quite like to have a little, little play in that world? Occasionally I think about it. I know a book that would be wonderful if I only had the knowledge, which I don't. And that would be Black Beauty, oh, a wonderful, wonderful horsey book that is really upsetting in many ways now, but it makes an absolutely wonderful read. 
And um, I don't know enough about what horses are like now. And I think I'm, it's a bit late in the day for me to take up riding it's lessons. It's never too late, no. But, but there you are, children's authors, if any of you are listening, any of you that know horses, go for another Black Beauty because I think it would be great. What I've done with Black Beauty, um, there's a lovely charity that rescues horses that is all over the country, but particularly in Norfolk. And they wrote to me because I think I'd written about Black Beauty and how much it meant to me as a child. And they're, they're having a new version of it for, for their charities. And so I've written a forward to it. Oh, lovely. And so I, I kind of like with the Magic Faraway Tree, I'm revisiting my childhood and my childhood favorites and indeed, um, my Primrose Railway children is a, a new version of, of Ines, but it's mm. wonderful railway children. Um, it, it's difficult though, because, um, you've got to be so careful taking on something that other people love. And I mean, they, they possibly think, you know, how very dare she do this? <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but, but I've had my comeuppance. I had a letter from a child, uh, saying, you know, I see you've done this with this book and that this with the other book. And he said, so I'm going to do a new version of the story of Tracy Baker. Amazing. <laughs> and I thought, hang on, I haven't died yet. <laughs> Wait a bit. <laughs> oh my goodness. But um, I quite like that idea, really. I mean, not for now, but maybe for later. You never know. Well, I was going to say, I'm sure a lot of people will be thinking I'd quite like to play with your characters as well. And, you <laughs> well, know, it's it's a good game, yeah, but I, you have to work hard at it. I can imagine. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to really prove that they're worth it before yeah. they yeah before they get a chance. I can understand that. Uh, lovely stuff. Well, thank you so much for telling us all about the Magic Faraway Tree. Uh, it's such a beautiful book, and it's just really it's it's just such a a fantastic world to go into and as, as I said I hadn't read it originally as a kid so I was all all in on this book very much uh, and hopefully we will uh, we'll see more of uh, of your characters very soon well that would be great there is going to be a Christmas adventure for the magic faraway tree people so hopefully I'll make sure you get a copy of that oh, yes, please. thank you very much lovely well what a dream chatting to Jacqueline Wilson of course we've got to recommend you some other books around at the moment as well first of all Kimberly Whittam has been telling us all about A Quiet Storm that is a book about a really shy girl who learns to speak up let's find out more hello my name is Kimberly Whittam and I'm very excited to introduce to you my debut middle grade book Quiet Storm Quiet Storm is all about what it's like to move up to secondary school, what it's like to be a younger sister to the most popular boy at school, what it's like to grow apart from friends and make new ones, and what it's like to go after your dreams, even when it's really scary to do so. Storm has never liked to stand out from the crowd, but ever since she started year seven, her life has been full of people telling her she needs to speak up, make friends, and be more like her popular big brother. Then Storm breaks a school record and finds herself the new star of the athletics team. But as she's thrust into the spotlight, her home life and friendships start spiralling out of control. And it's time for Quiet Storm to show that she has something to say. I am now going to read an extract from chapter one, where Storm is waiting for her big brother to go to school. Just chill. That is what Isaiah is telling me to do. But I'm finding it hard because he's icing a mountain of cupcakes in the kitchen and the school bell will ring in 15 minutes. It will be a lot easier to chill if I could walk to school by myself. Why couldn't you have just bought Asda cakes like a normal person? I sigh, sitting down at the table. I hope sitting here with my school bag across my shoulder will make him ice quicker, but it doesn't, of course. As usual, Isaiah goes at his own pace. Being normal never gets you anywhere. 
he says, delicately adding golden stars to each cupcake. I watch in frustration, realising that he has at least 10 cupcakes lined up on the counter that haven't been touched yet. I look at the time. We're going to be late, which means that I'll have to walk into my form room as Mr Adams reads out the morning notices. I'm not bothered about missing the notices, though. They're always the same. Mr Adams, my form tutor, gives us a boring lecture about how the overuse of our mobile phones and the smartness of our school uniform will determine the rest of our lives. What I'm worried about is that Mr Adams will stop mid-sentence for me to explain why I'm late, and this means that everyone will be listening. It's all right for Isaiah. He doesn't feel his cheeks burn and his palms go clammy when walking into a group of people, like I do, so he doesn't understand why I panic when we're late in the mornings. I clutch the straps of my school bag and take deep breaths. Miss Scott, the teaching assistant in my form group, said that I should count to ten whenever I feel anxious, which happens to be all the time when I have Isaiah as a big brother. Isaiah is far from normal. If he's not winning science competitions or protesting social injustice, he's baking cakes for the school charity bake sale or playing the drums in the school band. He's the poster boy for everything you can accomplish if you follow the school's motto, aspire, achieve, succeed. Relax, no one is going to be staring at you, he says as I complain for the millionth time. He puts a lopsided ice cupcake in front of me as a way to calm my nerves. I don't need a cupcake, I need you to hurry up, I say, pushing the iced chocolate cupcake away. He carries on creating ice swirls as I put my head down in defeat. I was worried about this when I first found out that I was going to Daisy Mill Academy. Miss Cassidy, my year six teacher, made everyone in my class write down their worries about moving up to secondary school. My list included being away from my friends, having to meet new people, Isaiah. Miss Cassidy told me that I didn't have to worry. Most of my friends were starting at Daisy Mill too. Only Yasmin Bassi and Louis Harrow went to a different secondary school. She said that I wouldn't just have my friends from primary, including my best friend Sarish, but I would also make new friends. As for Isaiah, she told me how lucky I was to have a big brother like him to show me the ropes of secondary school. Well, Miss Cassidy, it turns out you were wrong, big time. I'm the only person from my primary school in my new form group. It's now March and I haven't made any friends since starting year seven last September. Meanwhile, Zarish is in a different form group and hasn't found making friends hard at all. The only lesson that I actually like is PE, and that's just because the form groups are mixed and Zarish and I are together. Besides PE, all of my lessons are truly awful. During the first week of school, every single teacher had the exact same reaction when I answered my name on the lesson register. Who is Storm Williams? my teacher asked, scanning the classroom. Each time I raised my hand warily, knowing what was coming next. How wonderful it is to be teaching Isaiah's little sister, they beamed. The sparkle in their eyes soon faded when they realised that I'm nothing like my big brother. Unlike Isaiah, I don't get the best grades and I definitely don't get involved in school activities. I'm not on the student council or the debate team and I definitely don't play an instrument like Isaiah, who is in the school band. I was worried about coming to secondary school and having so many teachers, but most of them have already given up on asking me to contribute to the class discussions or share my work with everyone at the end of the lesson. Even when I've got the answer right, the awkwardness of me nervously stumbling over my words makes me feel like I've got it all wrong. Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much to Kimberly. Uh, next up, our recommendation is the winner of May's Children's Indie Book of the Month. It's Simon James Green's Finn Jones Was Here. This book is all about how the main character, Eric, deals with those difficult emotions of grief and heartbreak and how there is light in even the darkest of tunnels. Let's find out more from Simon. 
Hello, I'm Simon James Green and I'm the author of Finn Jones Was Here. Now this is a book about Eric's best friend, Finn Jones, who was the world's biggest prankster. Uh, but Finn has very sadly recently died and the book opens at his funeral where Eric just can't believe his best friend isn't here anymore. But when Eric starts to receive letters from Finn from beyond the grave, it leads him on a wild treasure hunt where he starts to believe this is actually Finn's biggest prank yet and he's going to find his best friend alive and laughing at the end of it. So this is a book um, about loss and grief, but it's also about the power of friendship, of laughter, and, you know, about living life to the max, embracing every opportunity and making every second really count. So on that note, I'm going to read you a little bit um, from a chapter at the kind of the middle of the book, actually, where Eric realises he really needs to start throwing himself into life when he uh, remembers a go-kart race that he and Finn once entered and how now he really regrets not having the guts to actually drive the cart himself. It was our biggest challenge yet, the Soapbox Derby. 20 teams, 20 homemade carts and one race down the big hill in town with one cart crowned the winner. For weeks, Finn and I had planned, sketched, sawn wood and screwed on wheels until finally we'd made Brittany Steers. All the carts had to have names that were puns, you see. Brittany could hold only one person, was made from very light wood to minimise the weight, had a steering system that we tinkered around with forever to get right, and cool wheels, which we got off eBay. Here was the thing. I was lighter, so it made sense for me to drive the cart, but I was terrified. It's not that I didn't trust our ability as go-kart engineers, although, truth be told, I didn't really. It was just such a steep hill, and there was so much risk involved. You know, what if the steering broke and I smacked straight into a wall? What if I was catapulted out, hit my head, and got brain damage? Accidents happen all the time, as Mum always reminds me. So why put yourself at any extra risk? Well, long story short, I backed out of driving Britney Steers after googling about go-kart crashes and seeing my fears were totally founded. Finn was all about the speed, though, and to me, that spelled danger. Are you absolutely sure this is a good idea? I asked. Finn shrugged. What's the worst that could happen? Well, you could crash, break your neck and be paralysed. That's not the worst that could happen. Well, OK, then you could crash and actually die. Well, that's not the worst that could happen either. Then what, Finn? What could be worse than that? He put his spanner down, turned to me and squeezed my shoulder. The worst that could happen is I don't do it at all. Never have this amazing experience and regret it for the rest of my life. Later that afternoon, as I stood at the bottom of the huge hill, I watched Finn take the lead, expertly handling Brittany Steers, and as he whooshed past me, heading at high speed for a prickly hedge and a ditch full of stagnant water, I saw the look in his eyes, and it was exhilaration and hysteria and pure joy, and I wished I'd had the guts to go through with it, because it looked like the best thing ever. There you go. That's a little bit of uh, Finn Jones was here. Um, I very much hope you enjoy it if you get a chance to pick it up and give it a read. 
Well, there we go. We've got some recommendations for you this week. That's Finn Jones was here and Quiet Storm. And before that, we heard the brilliantness that was Jacqueline Wilson. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to like, subscribe and follow us wherever it is you get your pods. And we'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs>